How are thou, thou globby bottle of cheap, stinking chip oil? You know what you can do with that watch? Stick it up your ass! Come and get one in the yobbles, if you have any yobbles, you eunuch jelly thou. Singing in the rain. It's a clockwork orange. Welcome to the Center Cut. I am Michael. And I'm Dave, and these are my droogs. <laughs> we are happy to be here, and we're covering our Clockwork Orange, but before we get into that, we have a special guest, funny man, our droog, and prolific Instagram poster, at Good Morning I Hate You, comedian John Bubble. John, thanks for being here. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes. Now, John, you are our second a live show app alum after Kelsey Cara Jones who helped us with dirty dancing yes how has that app helped invigorate you and how does it feel to be sloppy seconds <laughs> huh. well, i'll take kelsey's sloppy seconds any day of the week this is good i like it <laughs> <laughs> but you know it has invigorated the hell out of what i do as a stand-up, I think I've gotten better, if I can toot my own horn, since using it. I've had an on-and-off relationship with stand-up for many years, like five years. And just a little while ago, I saw a live stand-up show in Baltimore, and I thought to myself, you know what? I can, I can do that. And a little while later, I, I installed the app. I watched a couple of them, and I was like, you know what? I can do it with these people. And I did. So I, I took the leap. And I really can't say enough good things about a live show. They're such supportive people. They're, they're really great at what they do. They're, they're very nice people. If there's ever a problem that you're experiencing, they'll do their best to make it a good experience for you. And I love them. I'm giving them free publicity right now. A live show. They're good, good people. Awesome. I would agree wholeheartedly. Now, John, last thing before we get into the movie has anybody ever told you that you sound like if John Lovitz was frozen in a block of ice for like 25 years and in the process of thawing out, <laughs> developed Down syndrome? No, no. Oh, it, it'd, okay. be, well, it'd be a little weird if someone did, actually. <laughs> well, I guess here we are. <laughs> no, but, but John, why a clockwork orange? You know, uh, I think it has always been like the forbidden fruit for me. Because it has always <laughs> been my dad's favorite movie of all time. But my mother hates it. She despises it. <laughs> like, violently despises it. And for good reason. But, you know, as I entered into my teenage years, I thought to myself, like, yeah, I need to, I have got to check this movie out. And it honestly took me maybe like two viewings of it to really appreciate what a great, <laughs> what a great film it is, all aspects. Yeah, it's, it's just such, a, such an interesting film, so well made, great performances. I love it. 
Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it as we go. But interesting is definitely an apt word to describe this movie. Now, David, what exactly are we doing here today? Oh, boy. We watched the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes of A Clockwork Orange. We are going to, me and Michael are going to recap those with some interjections from John here. And then John has some questions for us to try and flesh out what happened in the middle. Perfect. I like it. And last thing, this was also suggested to us literally like a year and a half ago by a friend of the show, Cindy at Quick Doodle McGroodle. Cindy, I'm sorry it took so long, but here we are. <laughs> Thank John Bubble for this. Yep. Cindy, your opinion wasn't good enough, but John's was. So <laughs> here we are. You're welcome. <laughs> now, A Clockwork Orange came out in 1971 based on the 1962 Anthony Burgess novel and directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Malcolm McDowell. And most of the film, like the book, is narrated in NADSAT, which is a fictional language and also the pain I feel when my testicles get crunched by my boxers when I sit down. NADSAT. Mm-hmm. When they're just positioning correctly. Correct. I know the feeling. It was both a box office smash and a critical hit being nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Film Editing at the Academy Awards. It has an 86 on Rotten Tomatoes, originally had an X rating, and was banned in many countries for many, many years. My kind of film. <laughs> Because of all the hairy vaginas? <laughs> yes. That, I think Mostly because of the hairy vaginas? That makes sense. Yes. Countries where they're trying to get rid of the whole hairy vagina thing. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's it. Now, David, let's get yeah. into the recaps. Yeah, let's do it. So we started with a whole 35 seconds of red screen while we listen to some ominous music play. And then finally, kind of the title card comes up and we get a close up of a young man's face. We learn that this is Alex, our main character. He's wearing a white dress shirt and suspenders. A bowler hat has a bowl cut underneath his bowler hat and has a very big eyelash in one of his eyes. (laughs) Yeah. A, he looks like he's Amish, but B, so far we got a blue screen and a red screen. Why is this not a clockwork purple? I don't understand <laughs> where is the orange coming from. Wow, that a good color joke. <laughs> good joke about how colors combine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, I don't believe we even have a podcast. <laughs> so Alex introduces us uh, to his crew. They are similarly dressed, all sitting on a couch. It pans out a little bit and we see that they're just wearing like full white outfits, including giant white cups on the outside of their clothes. So that's fun. We learn that they store bouncy balls in those later on. Mm-hmm. We do? Yeah. What? Yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it. Don't you worry. <laughs> but yeah, he introduces his crew has his three droogs, which I'm assuming in weird speak means like buddies or compadres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are introduced as Pete, Georgie and Dim. I'd hate to be dim. (laughs) Just saying. But he's speaking this partially made up language. So half of it is just gobbledygook. (laughs) That makes no sense. But they are drinking milk plus drenkrum, which is apparently some sort of drug that gets you excited to beat people up. (laughs) What a great idea for a bar, though. You just have one liquid and you put drugs into it to make it different. It would never actually work. Like, there's too many risks of adverse effects, et cetera. But I'm really just saying that I want one of those naked mannequin complete with matching twat hair tables is really what I'm saying. But I mean, I'd be a regular. We should make that happen. <laughs> Isn't this essentially just a bar next to a frat house, but they substituted milk for Red Bull? <laughs> <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty much. Like, you just add whatever you want to add to Red Bull, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're drinking their milk in their crazy bar, all of the accoutrement around the bar tables and such are just 
porcelain naked women who are all white, not racially white, just actually <laughs> white. They're in Britain. They're they're racially white as well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're probably racially white. You're probably right. But we do. We cut from our bar to an old man who is singing drunk in an alley. The boys uh, kind of stroll up on him and clap to celebrate his terrible singing. And then I would assume beat him to death. Mm-hmm. I would feel bad, but this guy's a littering cunt. Like, I don't I don't I don't really feel that bad. He had it coming. He litters. He must die. No, I mean, honestly, I we, I actually got into a fight with Ashley today on the way to the grocery store because we were behind a man who littered and I tried to make him pay for that. I drove really close to him. I motioned like sucking a big penis and then I pointed at him so he could see me in the rear view mirror. She was mad because she's like, we have a son in the car. I'm like, what is it? Do you realize that that comes off as I want to suck your penis? Well, <laughs> I like the way you litter. No, I maybe, no, I don't. You you look good in your big truck. I want your dick in my mouth. He was driving a truck. Yeah, he of was, course he was. Yeah. I know I know he was. I could I could pick it out of nowhere. Screw litter bugs. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, speaking of the grocery store though, I will say that I I think that our podcast is starting to make change. Here's why I think that is that I saw a woman with a cart go over a median with the cart and i was like oh no she's gonna leave this here and i'm gonna have to say something or michael's gonna get mad <laughs> but then she went all the way over it to bring it back to the cart corral on the <laughs> other side of the medium and i was like yep finally people are listening to our podcast we're we're inflicting change on the world i love it mm-hmm. so now we cut to an old abandoned theater and uh there's a group of guys in dressed in all camo apparently boys in their droogs dress in matching outfits they're little like mini gangs and this other group of guys is just uh, throwing a woman around, getting her nice and prepped for a good, good old rape. Wow. Yeah, we just can't. We can't escape it. Is this four things in a row that we've covered that have had rape in them? <laughs> it might be. I've lost count, but I don't like it. Yeah, it's not great. We really need to stop talking about rape. <laughs> but Alex then comes in from the back with his group of boys and introduces Billy Boy, apparently, as the leader of the other gang and his droogs up on the stage who are trying to rape this woman. They rip off her clothes. She's got big breasts and a hairy vagina, like we've talked about. They're just about to start kind of getting at it when Alex and his buddies walk out and are like, nope, let's fight instead. I'm going to kick you right in your yarbles. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I've pieced together logically that yarbles are balls like scrody marbles mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm kind of into it <laughs> i love the juxtaposition here of the carefree like butterfly-esque operatics with thieving magpie that's the song playing with a bunch of dudes trying to sexually assault this woman now when i say i i love it i mean in an unsettling like intellectual way not actually enjoying it because i don't enjoy it Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And uh, something I think is so great about it is just in the first two scenes that you mentioned, the fight with Billy Boy and his droogs and the fight with old litter-bugging cunt, <laughs> the violence inflicted always takes the back seat to whatever's going on. The music definitely takes the front seat to the violence with the casino. And when he's beating up the old guy, you know, the noise that the droogs are making completely distracts from like the cries of pain that the old guy is uh, is making. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really a great, great juxtaposition there. Kubrick was a master. I particularly like the boy with the chains. Mm-hmm. Whichever one that is, I don't know. 
a fight scene breaks out essentially. And this fight scene is fantastic and terrible all at the same time. <laughs> it's definitely the most choreographed feeling fight I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, and I like it for that. It literally feels more like a dance than a fight. Yeah, there are men flying through windows and people getting smashed with chairs. It it was very Old West bar fight-esque in the moves that were, were happening. But you're right, it did feel very kind of choreographed in in the way that it was done. So it was it was interesting. But they decide, they, they hear the police coming and they're like, oh no, we got to get out of here. And they get in their Durango 95 and drive through the countryside screaming all the way. <laughs> oh, David. This car scene, for whatever reason, it straight up reminded me of that horrible, horrible movie I said I'd never mention again, starring Ike May, Ayers May. Come to think of it, a lot of it kind of feels like that movie. I think that, that movie I'll never speak of again, Mm -hmm. tried to make a cartoony clockwork orange (laughs) with Dakota Fanning (laughs) and still all of the made-up Seuss words. Can't you picture the cat? calling thing one and thing two his droogs and cutting the titties out of the fat babysitter's shirt. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I figured it out. I hate that movie even more now. I think they're just ripping off a of clockwork orange. That I don't know. The, the way yeah, that maybe. that car scene is shot just makes me think that movie that I'll never speak of. Yeah. Does that make Alec Baldwin the minister? Yeah, I follow. It's just a remake. Yep. Yeah. I hate it even more. Mm-hmm. But they're driving down the street very fast, running cars off the road, just running, doing, you know, whatever crazy kids do these days. (laughs) Dave, why didn't any of these damn motorists just veer to the other side of the road instead of crashing through fucking barns? I don't (laughs) I don't understand. it. Yeah, because every car they passed was exactly spaced the same exact amount and what did the exact same thing of driving (laughs) off the left hand side. And going into the field that was there. I don't know. I mean, I get that. It Like, obviously, we're looking at driving in Great Britain. So it's, they're on the opposite sides of the road. But I don't understand why the motorists wouldn't just drive on the opposite side of the road ver- versus crashing to their death. It, just... it did seem like a thin road. And if, if Alex was just driving down the center of it, then you really don't have an option. Uh, I, I feel like you could slow down and move to the shoulder. But <laughs> yeah, maybe what do I know. Yeah. Much better than just driving off the side of the road. Also, it was a very long, flat road. You'd assume you saw him coming from like a mile away, Mm -hmm. but whatever. But they finally arrive at a modern looking home in the countryside, rightfully labeled home. (laughs) And an old man is sitting at a typewriter, just typing in his study or whatever you want to call it. Ah, Count Olaf in his younger years. His (laughs) origin story explains why he always puts the kids through a series of unfortunate events. I get it now. Mm-hmm. I do get it. Real quick though, before they actually go into the house, I don't. It's like a blink and you miss it moment. Did you notice the horse in the back? Nope. These people own a horse. That's cool. Or it's a wild horse. I don't know. Whatever. But I did notice the giant, weird, funky pod couch that the woman was sitting in. Oh, you can't yeah. miss it. Yeah. <laughs> very, very modern, contemporary style home. And Alex rings the doorbell and the woman goes to answer, not unlocking the door yet, rightfully so. And she essentially says, like, we typically don't let young men in at this hour, but her husband's like, yeah, why not? Just like they need help. Alex goes to like the whole like we're we're dying. We need help thing. So they let them in and then immediately they start going crazy and beat the shit out of the husband. And this scene was just weird for me. Mm hmm. So this is where they want to gag the two of them, uh, the husband and, and wife. 
so first and foremost, Alex lifts his cup and a bouncy ball falls out. <laughs> and he puts it in the woman's mouth, which that's unfortunate. <laughs> and then tapes it shut. And then gets another bouncy ball from another one of his friends, I'd assume also from their crotch pocket, (laughs) and puts that into the husband's mouth, and they tape that shut so that they can no longer scream and yell. Then he goes and destroys the study, knocks over a bookcase, flips a desk, finds a pair of scissors, and uses those to cut breast holes in the woman's onesie that she's wearing, and then cuts from the leg all the way up to the neck, and down the center of her shirt, exposing her also hairy vagina, and then I would assume rapes her, all singing the singing in the rain while he does it. Why, oh why, oh why do people keep suggesting us media featuring graphic, graphic rape? Do I look like somebody who enjoys sexual assault? Don't answer that. Yes. <laughs> I just don't like that we're continually faced with sexual assault. So thank you, John. Thank oh, you, John Bubble. You are so welcome. <laughs> it is my pleasure. A really interesting tidbit about that scene. Was listening to uh like old Malcolm McDowell interviews the other day, and the origin of that scene amazes me. Apparently they were filming it for like five days because Kubrick's an absolute perfectionist and it wasn't working. And Kubrick says to Malcolm McDowell one day, like, can you dance? And Malcolm McDowell says, yeah, uh, not professionally, but yeah. So it's like, all right, dance. So McDowell breaks into the soft shoe routine and he starts humming, singing in the rain. Kubrick stops him and he says, stop. I need to go get the rights to this song right now because that is going in the movie. It's a fucking improv. Wow. I, I love that. I think the ultimate tag to that story is maybe a year later, Malcolm McDowell was at a, uh, he was at a party in LA and like all the Hollywood elite are just rubbing elbows. And Gene Kelly was there famous for the original movie singing in the rain. Malcolm McDowell goes over and introduces himself and Gene Kelly just turns his back and walks away on him. (laughs) You ruined the song. Dude, truly. Do you think when they were applying for the rights, they were like, yeah, he's going to hum this while he prepares for a rape? (laughs) I bet they weren't very happy after after that. (laughs) Not at all. Prepping (laughs) for a rape. Yeah. (laughs) If you pause, you'll see my balls. So (laughs) we're back at the milk bar. This is when we finally realize how the milk is dispensed. Mm -hmm. It's from another porcelain white woman who's crouched down and the the milk comes right out the breasts after you lever a a dildo-shaped lever. Mm -hmm. You will be surprised to hear that despite being tempted, I did not, in fact, try Ashley's breast milk straight from the tap. (laughs) I was a good father, and I didn't want to take any away from Frank. Father of the year, I will submit for myself. So the the way you said that makes it sound like you have tried it. You just didn't try it from the tap. (laughs) I I didn't try it. Okay. I didn't. I don't believe you. So Georgie, I I believe, based on the order that he introduced them and where they were sitting on the couch at the the start, I'm assuming he was introducing them left to right. He is talking to this white naked milk statue and he calls her Lucy and is like, oh, we had we had a rough night working hard, you know, raping hard. And the bar as well. There is a group of of well-dressed people. They're introduced as someone from the local news network or something along those lines. 
there's one woman there and a bunch of guys. The woman starts singing Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And Alex kind of just says, uh, is remarking about how he knows what the song is. And it seems like he is enjoying it. And then Georgie makes a fart noise to interrupt her song. And Alex just immediately whacks him right in the dick with his cane thing that he's been carrying around. And that's the end of the first 15 minutes. (laughs) If you haven't been smacked in the cock while farting during Beethoven, you haven't lived. Yeah, right. Is really Mm -hmm. all I want to say. But also, who invited David Bowie to the milk bar? (laughs) This woman looks like David Bowie. And I, I don't know if this was something I should have seen earlier, but I just noticed it in this scene here does alex have an eyeball on his cufflink absolutely he does okay i'm glad i'm glad that i picked up on it interesting i did not notice that why though why not we'll never know we'll never know unless we watch the middle (laughs) if that's the only thing you saw in the first 15 minutes we're like oh that's weird (laughs) (laughs) then we have the only thing that was like hmm weird an eyeball cufflink God. <laughs> All right. Well, the last 15 minutes picked up at one hour, 59 minutes and 10 seconds. Alex is locked in a room. He's dressed like a normal person now and is screaming, turn it off while pounding on the door and floor. I feel like his eyes are bluer in this scene than they were in the beginning. Like at first, I almost thought it was a different person Same. until I started narrating and like. I thought it was a different person, too. Yeah. But mm-hmm. hmm. He also must be wearing like ahead of our time mini AirPods or the frequency is above our level because I don't hear what he's hearing. I don't hear anything. What are you talking about? I didn't hear anything. What are you talking about? You didn't hear all the music that was no, coming from under. I didn't hear any music. What? <laughs> Am I going crazy, John? <laughs> I'm so lost. <laughs> yeah, me too. I didn't hear any music. Anyway, Count Olaf from the horrible house rape is downstairs. Except he now looks more like Hector Salamanca from Breaking Bad and is also an invalid. (laughs) He may also be writing something in his pants, if you know what I'm saying. It seems like he has some sort of control of this torture. And in a way, he's auditorily assaulting Alex, like Alex did with his wife. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird. And there's also a, a disinterested man and woman behind Olaf, and the inconceivable guy from Princess Bride is rolling red balls into side pocket on a wider than normal pool table. That's not him. I know it's not, but it looks like Okay. Him. <laughs> I thought it was very impressive, though, that this guy got all of those in, like, consistently, perfectly, every time. <laughs> yeah. This movie's fucked. We're back upstairs to Alex, who is now slamming his head against the ground before he decides to trigger warming. (laughs) Warm up that trigger. I'm warming up this trigger. (sighs) Trigger warning. Attempt suicide by jumping out the window. He swan dives out. And I got to say, for the early 70s, the shot and effect are pretty damn cool. Yeah. Like, there had to have been a stuntman who jumped out that window and there was like a camera directly underneath him to record the whole thing, not hitting the camera and landing on whatever pad or pillow he was jumping onto is pretty impressive. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And uh, we fade to black as we hit the ground. Now we come to in a hospital. Alex's attempt was not successful and he is badly injured. We start to hear a chorus of moans for a few moments until a large breasted nurse hops out from behind a curtain. Turns out one set of the moans was her getting a boner injection from a doctor. (laughs) But Alex's moans were a good thing because this means he's out of his coma. 
we see a montage of newspaper headlines where we learn the government is now under fire for the brainwashing techniques they used on Alex, which seemingly led him to try to kill himself. More on that later. His parents come to see him in the hospital. His mom dresses like Eddie Murphy in Raw, and they brought a freaking fruit basket. A fruit basket. Yeah. There's a can inside that says, eat me, and like clockwork, an orange. We get a cool tracking shot of the extremely purple-haired psychiatrist coming to see Alex, and he claims he had dreams of men touching his gulliver, which first I thought it was his penis, Mm -hmm. but now I believe that was his head slash brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought for sure it was the piece of flesh right above the yarbles. <laughs> now, the psychiatrist is doing a test where she shows him a black and white slide with a scenario. One text bubble, the response, is blank, and he's supposed to fill in what the reply should be. This is probably my favorite scene in what we saw. I love how positive and peppy they both are, and it's a hilarious setup, so much so that I wanted to run this experiment with us as well. So I'm going to describe the scene and we'll each give what our responses would be if we were taking the test, and then I will give Alex's actual answer. Yeah, but before we get into it, I did some research. Yes. This is an actual psychological test. It is. It is called the Rosenzweig Picture Frustration Test, and essentially it is intended to put your mind in a frustrating scenario to see how you would react to said scenario. There is actually a place online where you could take this test. It's called uh, psycho-tests.com. And I did one. It was 24 of these things. And I had to essentially look at it and like decide in your mind what your answer would be. And then there's uh, a list of options and you pick the one that was like as closely resembles your answer as possible. Apparently, I don't like confrontation. And I focus too much on making other people happy, even if it negatively affects me, which big shocker in that one. <laughs> Yours will be like 100% always pissed off at the world all the time. Loves confrontation. I almost wanted to take it again, answering as I know you would have answered to see what <laughs> your your end result would have been, because I bet I could have nailed it pretty spot on. I'm excited to go take it. But we have this test at hand. So David and John, are you ready? Yep. Born ready, baby. Okay. First scenario, two dudes looking at a peacock. The first guy says, isn't the plumage beautiful? Now, the second man's reply is blank. My answer would be, I wish I was that beautiful. (laughs) What do you got, John? Not as beautiful as all the hairy vaginas in this movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And my response is, Tom, you're drunk. That's just a turkey with a Pop-Tart foil wrapper stuck in its feathers. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Alex's response is, cabbages, knickers. It's not going to beak. And then he giggles like a cutie. (laughs) Number two, a woman is standing talking to, I think, two boys, or maybe it's a mom with the dad talking to a son. But anyway, the woman says, the boy you always quarrel with is seriously ill. The boy responds, blank. Oh, man, I'm going to have to find a new podcast co-host. Good. I hope he dies. (laughs) Solid. Solid answer. It's what we were all thinking. Yeah. And my answer is... Snitches and talkers get stitches and walkers. <laughs> Tell that little bitch I said, I'll see you in the ICU. West side. <laughs> Ridiculous. And Alex's actual answer is, my mind is a blank. And I'll smash your face, you blockos. Again, cute giggle. Number three, a man is climbing into a woman's window via ladder, and she's in bed, completely naked. 
and is holding the sheet up so we can see her cartoon T and V. She says, what do you want? And he says, blank. Just here to measure your pubic length, miss. Jonathan? Jonathan? Oh, very formal. (laughs) I believe the correct answer is some of that pussy. (laughs) My answer is, you're not Ferguson. Wrong window. Sorry. Nah, 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 nah. I think I made a similar joke in our Scream episode, but I just can't see a man climbing into a window and not think of Clarissa Explains It All. (laughs) Alex's actual answer is, no time for the old in and out, love. I've just come to read the meter. Pretty good answer. Pretty solid answer. Mm -hmm. Number four, like clockwork, we're in a clock shop and a customer is holding up a watch to the man behind the counter who's leaning on his elbows and looks like he couldn't give a shit. Customer says, you sold me a crummy watch. I want my money back. The counter man says, blank. Time is an illusion created by the Illuminati to make us feel like we have any control in life. So the watch is never wrong, but it's never right. The correct answer, I believe, would be no givesies backsies, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) My answer is, we're just a repair shop, you silly twat. It's not our fault you bought a damn SWAT watch. What are you, a child? Grow up and get out of here. And Alex's actual answer is, you know what you can do with that watch? Stick it up your ass. (laughs) And I absolutely love his delivery. He's so happy slash proud of himself. It's so cute. Yeah. So cute. And the last one here, a woman is holding a nest with four speckled eggs up to a man's face. She says, you can do whatever you like with these. He replies, blank. Put them on my butt. (laughs) Mr. Bubble. God damn it. You stole mine. Uh, let's switch it around. Let's grab the lube. Let me put them up your butt. There you oh. go. <laughs> Janice, four yoni eggs is too much. Unless you have four vaginas, cut the shit. Plus, these are bird eggs, not jade, you blind queen. You see those speckles? They come from a mockingbird. God damn it. Why did I marry you? <laughs> this is and, what I get for explaining to you what yoni eggs are. <laughs> yeah, I just learned about yoni eggs. <laughs> Less than a week ago. Thank you, David. You're welcome. And Alex's actual answer is eggy wigs. I would like to smash them and pick them all up and throw ow as he accidentally slams his arm too wildly. The test is over. The cheery psychiatrist tells him he seems like he's recovering. <laughs> You're doing great. But I surmise <laughs> she actually doesn't believe that. And this nope. is a tell that he's just as fug willied up as before. <laughs> but based on his answers, I feel like less confrontational Mm, i don't know they're trying to make it clear that like could go either way we'll see we'll talk (laughs) about it we'll talk about it during john's lovely questions Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now we flash forward not sure how far and he narrates about eating eggy wags and steaky wakes his words not mine (laughs) that's not what you call eggs and steak it is not what i call eggs and steak no well This government guy comes to see Alex and feed him a bunch of bullshit while he feeds him what looks like the same bite of meat and peas over and over again. Now, it's tough to parse what's fact and what's big gov just jamming their dick down his throat and calling it a feeding tube. Alex hilariously opens his mouth wide like a baby bird for continued morsels as this guy tells him they imprison Count Olaf. Alex will have an interesting job with good pay, quote unquote. There's no details dispersed there and that they are now friends and alex should help them very interesting mm-hmm. now the government dude brings in some giant speakers and floral arrangements blasting symphony number no. nine in d minor a supposed treat though i'm sure there's something nefarious to it 
It ends up being a photo op, and men rush in with flashbulbs as Alex gets chummy with Govman, blasting thumbs up like it's his job. His face starts to sour, and I think that we peek inside his brain for a short scene that mm-hmm. fades into the closing credits. There's two lines of fancily dressed men and women standing in the snow, and in between them, a naked man and woman are wrestling? Question mark. The woman's vagina is around belly button level for the guy, so for them to be sexing, he'd need a very long and very bent tallywhacker. <laughs> so I think they're wrestling. And yeah, Alex narrates, I was cured, all right, and cut to red credits. What in the Fubrick? <laughs> and that stands for fucking Kubrick. I have some thoughts about what this could mean. Really, I don't, because I think they just wanted to have another excuse to show a naked woman at the end. All right, well, we will discuss. I have some very interesting theories about what is going on here. Yeah. But I think we should discuss further in John's lovely questions. I think so, too. Before we dive into John's questions, though, I think we need a break for Center Commercial. David? Center Commercial time. Today's podcast is brought to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for podcasters like us to monetize our podcast. It's a flat rate for ad space, so we always know how much we get when we include an ad. And thanks to listeners like you, we get to keep making this silly little podcast. Now, fellow podcasters, listen up. You can apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. And if you have any questions about it, send us an email or an Instagram DM. We're happy to talk shop. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And oh, my brothers, be sure to add the center cut in the how did you hear about Podgo section of the application. Awesome. Now, John did the dirty work, knows the full movie, and asked us some questions about the middle. John, you're going to quiz us. As usual, I'm going to win. (laughs) What do you got for us, bro? Okay. How old is Alex? So let me start with the fact that I'm confident I'm not going to get any of these right. (laughs) (laughs) However, let's try. I think that he is younger in the beginning than he is at the end. (laughs) Wow, you are a scientist. I like it. Yeah. But I think by like five, six years. We'll talk about that more in the answers to some further questions. We will. But I do think that in the beginning, he's a late teenager. So 18, 19 region. Let's say 19. And then in the end, I would say he's around 24, 25. I'm kind of on the same page as you, David. I think he's 20 at the beginning. And when we see him at the end, he's 24. And I think like at the beginning, he has to be bare minimum 18 since that's the UK drinking age, assuming the milk bar follows normal bar rules. And they do also refer to him as boy in the newspapers. So I can't see him being over 25. I mean, I guess 24 is even kind of pretty high. But we have a later question on a sentence, like David said. I think at least a few years pass between the two Alex's. So I'm going to go 20 and 24. There are two answers to this, really. In the book, he's 15 at the beginning. What? Wowzers. In the movie, he's 17. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So is the bar just they don't give a shit or bars in this weird Britain don't follow the rules? This is some sort of weird dystopian futuristic thing. Okay. Where you put drugs in your milk and drink it out of tits. Hell yeah. So is he 17 after we see him too? Like at the last 15 minutes? No. Time time passes between them. Okay, but I guess I guess you don't want to spoil the another question. So, all right, fine. But we're both we're both wrong. Is what it boils down to. 
I was writer, but that's fine. <laughs> if that was you, you would have been like, I get the point because I was closer. Fine, you can have half a point, David. Half no, it's fine. I don't need any points. Like I said, I'm not going to get any right. All righty. Let's see if we can get some points on the board here. Who does Alex have a statue of in his bedroom? I think we get a hint right at the end of the first 15, and I think that it's Beethoven. And to be clear, not the giant dog from the eight movies, the composer, Ludwig von Beethoven. More on him later. I have a theory that I think is correct, and I am so good at teasers, it's unreal. But you're going to have to wait for more on that. I'm going to spool it out as we go. But I think the the statue is Beethoven. So I'm kind of on the same wavelength, but I didn't say Beethoven because I felt like that was too on the nose. But I feel like he is into classical music. So I said Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. It's still nothing, nothing. But if you would like to make an argument for half points for Beethoven, because he does have a portrait of him, I would Mm -hmm. I would be willing to give that. But the answer I'm looking for is Jesus Christ. Oh, really? nice. Yes. Wow. The old Jesus. Would not have placed that. Wow. Okay. I mean, if David says no half points, then I... Well, I don't know. You are the guest. Do I get a half a point or no? These are exceptionally hard questions, I would say. So, yeah, take a half point. I want to be... <laughs> half a point, David. Yeah. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ for you. <laughs> All right. You prayed long and hard about it. Half a point to nothing. <laughs> Got a half a point. All right. What is offered to Mr. Deltoid when he comes to visit Alex? Is Mr. Deltoid just like a, re- a really buff boy? <laughs> An Arnold Schwarzenegger type of person to be. Dude, if Arnold Schwarzenegger was in this movie, it would be 10,000 times better. Oh, if Arnold Schwarzenegger unreal. was Alex, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so good. Imagine just beating everyone up, and <laughs> raping some ladies. Uh, so I think I think Mr. Deltoid is here to to whip Alex into shape. So I said a belt. <laughs> As I've mentioned before, my wife is a yoga teacher, so I know that a deltoid is a muscle. This also plays into my later theory, but I think Alex offers to let him have what's in his caney wane. More on that later. Now, Mr. Deltoid is Alex's parole officer. Mm. When he visits Alex in the apartment, he offers him a cup of the old chai. A cup of the old chai. Damn it. Wow. I, we were way wrong, David. Like a, like a chai latte? Yeah, I, I would say so. He's like, yeah, Mr. Deltoid, let's go to Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I was. I thought these questions were easy. Oh, mm-hmm. no, I knew we were going to get them all wrong. Half a point to nothing, David. That half a point is like a field goal, man. It's going to make a difference. <laughs> what soundtrack is prominently featured in the record shop? I'm going to go with Singing in the Rain, and I'm going to keep <laughs> my answer succinct here because it's wrapped into the following question for me. But Singing in the Rain. Ave Maria. <laughs> Ave Maria. You know what? Take half a point for that angelic voice. Thank you. Damn it. <laughs> the correct answer is 2001 A Space Odyssey, the uh, previous film that Stanley wow. Kubrick made. Wow, Interesting. That son of a bitch. That son of a bitch. All right. Half a point to half a point. Okay. Why is Alex arrested? So part of me wants to think that it's because of all the beating people up and raping that he's doing, but I think that that's kind of also too on the nose. So I think it's almost something like stupidly simple, like he tried to steal something from somebody or theft. That's my answer. 
So I think the Count Olaf writer guy happened to be in the same record shop as Alex, singing in the rain, is playing on the radio. We already know that's wrong, <laughs> but fine. It could still be. He just said featured prominently. Could be in the background. It's not. Now that coupled with when he hears Alex talk to his droogs, like, follow me, oh my brothers, over to this new record by a chap diddly app named Uncle Cracker. <laughs> and that clues him in that he was the guy who raped and I'm assuming later killed his wife. So that dude calls the cops on him and boom, arrested. The correct answer is murder. He breaks into a woman's house and his droogs kind of abandon him when they hear the police coming. So he is, uh, he is picked up by the police for murder. A different murder than the titty shirt woman? A completely different murder. Damn it. All right. Half a point to half a point. Man, I, this is not going how I thought it would. <laughs> what does Alex have hidden in his cane? Another slightly smaller cane. <laughs> He's got basically a Russian nesting doll of canes, so he has beating sticks for people of all shapes and sizes. Now, I was thinking about this while I was trying to answer this question. Why isn't everything a Russian nesting doll? Like, why doesn't everything we own just come in smaller sizes of itself inside the bigger thing? I love it. Think of how ingenious that would be for so many things. Oh, my God. I just came up with my meal ticket, guys. In one thing. My couch. Like, if I could just press a button to unhinge my couch and pull out a smaller couch, like a love seat, and then from there, pull out a lazy boy chair, and then within that, just pull out one of those uncomfortable wooden back school chairs, I now have four pieces of furniture I can sit on seating seven people, and then I can just pack it all up. In order for that to work, they would have to get increasingly small as they go, so your little lazy boy would be like for a toddler. No, no, the big thing is a couch. So the couch is, is two times as big as a normal couch? Yeah. It's like taller and I have many ideas, many ideas about a broom, like you crack open the top of the stick and then inside is a fold up hand sweeper thing. I am already hiring a blueprint writer to draw up my Scrooge McDuck pool of money. I think I'm going to be a millionaire, guys. This is brilliant. Everything, just everything Russian nesting doll. I think you're going to have a hard time searching for a blueprint writer. <laughs> <laughs> so good luck hiring a blueprint writer. <laughs> Well, that's my answer. A cane. Yeah. So for me, again, a knife just felt so obvious here that I didn't want to answer it. So drugs. There are drugs in his cane. It's a secret hidden drugs. It's probably a knife. It is a knife. Oh, David, you were so close. That felt too obvious to me. So that's fine. How long is Alex sentenced to prison? Five years. Wow, that's way lower. I, I researched average rape and murder sentences in the UK. Rape is at about eight years. And it's about 15 to 20 for murder. But I think because he's young, I think there's some sympathy, stupidly. And I think he gets 20 total. So 20 years. He gets 14. He is sentenced to 14 years. Price is right rules, bitch. David's under, but I'm closer. Always price is right rules. Uh, all right. One and a half to half a point. God damn it. <laughs> yep. How much time of his sentence does he serve before he is released? I went with three and a half years, just enough to make him desperate to try anything to get out. The little we saw of him at the beginning makes me think that he would be super restless and not want his physical freedoms taken away. So I'm going to go three and a half years. Yeah, I'd imagine he would have a hard time in prison. But my answer is two years before he gets released into his weird experimental treatment. The answer is two years. Ah! Oh, man. Take that watch and stick it up your ass, David. <laughs> I should get bonus points for hitting it on the head like that. It's two and a half to half a point. Oh, God, this is, this is not looking good. 
<laughs> what is the name of the experimental rehabilitation technique used on Alex? So in my search for the Rosenzweig frustration test, I actually found this answer. Oh so I know God. that I'm going to get it wrong because this isn't the correct answer. So my answer is Phillips treatment for ultraviolet classical music lovers. <laughs> okay. So we see this answer in the movie, in the newspaper, in the last 15. It's the Ludovico. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right now. But this here, Ludovico, this is the key that ties together my theory. That we already know is wrong. <laughs> no, I think that Alex dreams up everything while he's on the milk drugs. Ludovico is, in my mind, definitely a play on Ludwig, Ludwig von Beethoven. Mm. So I think his brain comes up with that technique. What we see in the hospital is real, but pretty much everything else, starting with the car ride, is in his head. Hell, maybe he even crashed and killed all of his droogs and was in a coma, and his brain came up with this fancy ridiculousness we see when he was just a vegetable. Like the Mr. Deltoid who visits him? That's a made-up part of his imagination. His brain overheard the doctors talking about how he tore his deltoid in his accident, and he creates that into a person who visits him. And I think he makes up the conversation with the government dude. All that's in his head, too. So I think the weird last scene with the white people snow battle, I think that's <laughs> further proof that despite him physically being in the hospital, everything else has been fabricated in his lumpy mind. I think everything we see is in Alex's head because Ludovico is based on Ludwig, which is his favorite musical artist. There's no way that's just a coincidence. That's all crazy talk. That. Um, it might be the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life, but I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. But am I right that it's called Ludovico? I knew that that was the answer, and I didn't give it because I knew that that was the answer. Well, that just seems foolish on your part. Two and a half to one and a half, David. <laughs> That's bullshit. So let me ask you this, Fine. John. Yeah. Is there any chance that what I'm saying could be correct? I don't think so. But, you know, I... I... <laughs> I guess there is a chance, you know, like there's always a chance. I like to hear it. I'm going, I'm going to log into Reddit after this and spew my theory. <laughs> God, but 35 minutes in that doesn't work. Like, no, no, that doesn't count. <laughs> All right, whatever. Two and a half to one and a half. I'm catching up. All right. What is Alex's job in prison? He does a little of this, a little of that. He sweeps the floor on his knees. He polishes some knobs. He's there for oral support. <laughs> he is the mortar to the other prisoner's pestle. Wow. Way to make a mortared pestle sexual. Iduendo, yeah. Yeah, so I think I'm on the same wavelength. I think he's everyone's prison pocket. <laughs> Here's a fun fact. I did some research on prison slang. Prison pocket is, you know, a, a hole to stick things. Mm-hmm. Of the fleshy variety. Yep. So here's something interesting. A boneyard visit. What do you think that is? That's when you have sex with a man in the butthole area. Nope. So that's just a conjugal visit, but specified without children. Oh. Do you want to take a guess at what a conjugal visit with children is? <laughs> oh, what, it's, what the slang is? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Taking the kids for a happy meal. <laughs> it is a, a fam bam. <laughs> I found it surprising that there are different words depending on if your lover brings children or not. <laughs> oh, my uh, Lord. The more you know. What's the real answer? There's no way either. <laughs> he is the uh, the prison chaplain. Wow. Yes. Oh, wow. Would have never saw that coming. Yeah. Well, he had a statue of Jesus. I get it. 
That's true. If I knew that the statue yeah. of Jesus, I guess I could have maybe made that connection. But All still. right. Two and a half to one and a half still. Here we go, guys. This is a true or false. One of the actors in this movie was also the body of Darth Vader in the original Star Wars trilogy. I feel like you couldn't make that up. Like, that would be an impressive false statement that you fabricated if this isn't true. Uh, I'm going to say true. Is this like the if a tree falls in the forest riddle where nobody actually cares and the world can go on either way? Because Star Wars is to movies as the Beatles are to music. Overrated. Fuck you. But my answer is false. It is true. When he... I've won. when, When he's back at the old writer's house... There's like a kind of like a muscle man, like bodyguard that like carries the wheelchair and stuff. True Mr. Deltoid. Right. Yeah. The true Mr. Deltoid. <laughs> but that is the body, like the physical body of Darth Vader. <sighs> All of the following items are used as weapons by Alex, except A, a knife, B, a cane, C, a glass milk bottle, or D, a ceramic penis. We see the cane when mm-hmm. he beats the old drunkard. Mm-hmm. A ceramic penis? That's like the dream weapon. It's hard, so it will hurt. It probably breaks on impact, which looks cool. It also can cause more damage because the little pieces of shrapnel could hit the victim's cornea. Or if they're barefoot, they could step on it like Marv in Home Alone with glass ornaments. <laughs> it's also customizable depending on how big you make the yarbles. Exactly. And how embarrassing would it be to be taken down by a dick? Now, I want that to be one of them. So the narrative I've created involves that. That leaves me with knife or glass milk bottle. I think that he used the glass milk bottle right after we cut at the beginning on the Ziggy Stardust looking lady. So it leaves the most obvious weapon. And I think this movie subverts that. I actually think I'm going to go with knife. Nope, you're wrong. We know that he has a knife in his cane now, so that feels obvious. Doesn't mean he used Plus, it. there are no glass milk bottles because the milk gets dispensed from the breast right into the, the glass, just the cup. That's not a bottle. That's a bottle. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Uh, a, a glass bottle. milk bottle is the weapon he does not use. And I'm assuming the ceramic penis is the thing he has attached to his face in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> a glass milk bottle is the only weapon he does not use. Damn it! He is actually arrested after beating an old woman to death by smashing a ceramic penis in her face repeatedly. It's an incredible scene. Uh, the, the, the rest of the movie is worth watching just for that scene. Tip first or shaft first? It's tip first. All right. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Does she have a bunch of mushroom welts on her face <laughs> from where she got slapped with the penis? Because that would make me happy. No. <laughs> All right. What did I win? Four and a half to one or some bullshit like that? Uh, I don't know. Five I... and a half to one. <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right. You beat me, David. You beat me. I don't feel good about it. Oh, what's the matter? <laughs> when you win, you win, you have this whole celebration speech prepared. When I win, it's, oh, can we just move on, please? I'm sad. <laughs> can we not talk about it anymore? <laughs> uh, well, that that was a beating. That was an ultra-violent takedown that you just put upon me, David. John, thank you for those questions. I wish you would have made some questions that I could have gotten correct. <laughs> I am amazed. Amazing. Amazed that I got any of them right. John, again, thank you for being here. But before we close this sucker up, what should people know about you? Where should people check you out? What is your life story? 
Oh, God damn. I'm a prolific shit poster at uh, Good Morning I Hate You on Instagram. My life story? I'm just a guy from Scranton, Pennsylvania, not like The Office. I hate that that's all that we're known for, who's trying to cut his teeth in, in stand-up comedy. So I thank you guys so much for the opportunity. I, I, I had an absolute blast. I want to ask you something. Yeah. Is Mr. Bubble your real last name? Yeah, it is. It is my real last name. Uh, Bubble is my real last name. And I hate that that's my real last name because it limits what I'm able to do with my life. You know, I, I can't be a doctor. Uh, Dr. Bubble? It's a Mega Man villain. <laughs> could be a pediatrician. <laughs> Maybe. I can't be a judge. I'll rise for the Honorable Judge Bubble. They'll laugh me out of the fucking courtroom. <laughs> what I can be, I can be a day shift manager at an Olive Garden. I could be one of the adults on Sesame Street. That'd be fun. Just <laughs> doing lines of coke with Oscar on my lunch break. Or I, uh, I could be a birthday party clown if I wanted to be. But yes, Bubble is my real last name. I would never in a million years pick it for myself. Perfect. <laughs> that is an excellent way to close up shop here. John, thanks again for being here. Right on, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you, Judge Bubble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That was a movie, and John was a guest. Yeah, that was loads of fun. Very funny. But what a crazy-ass movie. Yeah. I think the only way to close this up, David, as usual, is to hit up our center counts. Ooh, yes. I feel like this one's a really tough one to rate without seeing the middle. So hard. It's so hard. Because you could go very bad or very good. Yeah, I I still don't know. I am literally torn between giving this either a five or a six or a two. It's just so damn weird. It's very weird. <sighs> There's just something about the narration, the made-up language, the just random shit. I gotta go six. But, no, I do. Like, I you're going to go the other way with that after the... Like Freddy Got Fingered, I would much rather watch a movie that takes a wild swing than just exist. Because at the end of the day, I'm certainly not going to forget what I watched here. And I think there's something to be said for that. And out of sheer curiosity, I feel like I have to watch the middle. Yeah, I'll probably be watching the middle as well on this one. Malcolm McDowell was so unsettling as Alex... Even the way he just like opened his mouth like a bird for the, I, I don't know. I just, it's just so damn weird. I'm, I'm going six out of seven. Yeah. I don't feel like I can go quite that high, but I don't think it was bad. Well, mm. <laughs> I suppose I'm going to go four. Okay. I do appreciate the weirdness of it, like you said, but there is a certain part of it that is just like, okay, like, could, could we have just tried a little bit harder to be a normal movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I think I think a 4 is a good spot for it. I do think that it was unique. That is absolutely for sure. <laughs> and I think it achieved what it was trying to achieve in being a fucking weird ass movie. And I know people like it and I think it was one of those movies that kind of set some of the bar for weird shit like that too. So, so I'll give it a 4. Yeah. I think we're 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 in agreement there, but interesting movie nonetheless. Now David, what do we have coming up? Oh boy. So naturally we are going to have a new center chat next week for a clockwork orange where we're going to be discussing if we would rather go to prison or be part of a psychological experiment. Just like Alex. That's going to be interesting. Mm. Yeah, apparently he got to do both. Can we just pick both? <laughs> no. 
No, we can't. Oh, darn. But after that, we will be coming back to a, a normal TV show episode. It will be on July 28th, two Wednesdays from today, and we'll be covering Manifest, season one of Manifest. Yeah, I. it's kind of always been something that's been in my periphery. I know it was on network, but now that it's moved over to Netflix, I feel like there's a big kind of groundswell for it. So I'm hoping, uh, hoping that's a fun time. Again, if you haven't, go follow the guest here, John Bubble, on Instagram at Good Morning I Hate You. And if you have some time and you're not already for whatever reason, please follow us and send your feedback. Yeah, we would love to hear from you. Perfect. Well, David, I think I think that's a wrap, my brother. Oh yes, my brother. Like the space between the third floor window and the ground, it's always better in the center. <laughs> <laughs>